Hello and welcome to Sweden's biggest English language podcast for entrepreneurs and creatives. I'm Maddie Savage, crisscrossing Stockholm to help you get under the skin of one of the most innovative cities in Europe. This week we've headed east to the suburb of Sikla to meet an award-winning artist. I have an idea of creating spaces where you can kind of let go of the things that are troubling you in your everyday life. That will create a bigger bond between people. Marlin Borbeck creates smart textile installations using optical fibers and LEDs to bring fabrics to life and make them responsive to sound and touch. She's also a proud member of the Burning Man community and a cancer survivor. In this episode, she shares how surviving her illness gave her the courage to pursue her dream career. The Stockholm way. So Marlin, we're inside your workspace in Sikla in southeast Stockholm, surrounded by material samples. There's other artists, their paints are all over the place and other bits of, I don't know, what else can we see around here? Um, well, there are some people working. We have a, a shared studio space. We're around 30 people who share it together. We have a pay-what-you-want policy so that everyone can be a part of it on their conditions. And your specific job description, if you like, is a smart textile artist. Tell us exactly what that is. Well, I invented it myself, so (laughs) I guess it can be anything. Uh, But um, how I see what I do is um, that I create textiles that also has an effect and that can interact with the... with the surroundings and the people that are approaching it. So it's things like light sensors, glowing brightly if people go near to it or glowing if there's sound effects. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So the people that are viewing the art can also interact with it and um, uh, in that way also be a part of the art. We'll take a look at some of your work in a moment. But first of all, how did you get into this? I mean, starting off with traditional weaving, which is quite an old-fashioned or very old-fashioned technique that you don't necessarily associate with young people, Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've always been interested in textiles and I've been working with textiles for almost all of my life in different ways. I studied at... Um, the Swedish School of Textiles in in Borås. And um, I see weaving sort of, I mean, it's basically the first computer. The the warp threads go up or down and it's, um, that's how you create the entire pattern, the entire uh, fabric. But it's also um, how we create computer code, like ones and zeros. So um, it's very similar in that way. So I'm also thinking of it like programming a a textile and then taking it another step even further and actually putting electronics into it so I can program it again to react to different things and create new patterns in the textile. I make smaller pieces that uh, could hang on a wall uh, and that could take one or two months. But if I'm working on a big installation that you're actually walking into, then that could take between six months and a year. Okay, let's go and take a look at some of your work, which is glowing brightly in a dark room, just in a little corridor off the main space. And this is an installation that changes colour and pattern as we speak. So this is a textile that is woven with optical fibres. 
it's these uh, plastic threads that you can see here and they are glowing in in different colors and uh, they're connected to leds that is in the the hem up here um and uh, connected to the leds there is a small arduino a micro computer that you program um to make the piece act like i want so the microphone is registering sound and the louder the louder i speak the more intense is the <laughs> oh it's glowing it's moving much quicker now as well so uh the louder the noises around the more intense is the pattern and the um, colors of the of the piece so this is more um of a sample piece uh textile that i show and bring around to explain what you do yeah exactly ah, well good job let's go and take a comfy seat and find out a little bit more should we go here or what about this yeah we're gonna sit here there's an igloo uh with some really cozy um <laughs> uh, bean bags on them Kind of feels weird getting comfortable um, when I'm going to ask you about some stuff that some people might feel uncomfortable to talk about. But you are a lot more open. You had cancer when you were 26, and you've talked a lot about how that's played a, a major role in shaping your career and and your life. Just tell us about the the beginning of that story. At the time, I was working at a weaving factory, thinking maybe I need a nine to five office job. Uh, and I was just at the end of my studies and um, like for many people it just hit me like something from a blue sky. I um, immediately <laughs> quit that job and uh, took some time off figuring out what I wanted to do and I still wanted to do things even though I was ill uh, so I went back to school and tried to um, to take one day at a time and that really made a difference in in how I live my life now to teach myself to just be in the moment and accepting the reality for what it is before I got the diagnosis I was living on my own and really enjoying the the projects in school where I could do everything myself and not working with other people but um, during the sickness, I realized that I need other people in my life to survive. And that is also something that I've taken with me, that things can grow so much greater when you are working together. So um, even from the sketching, I would get help from other people and input and discuss. In a way that you might not have done before. Definitely not. And how is the situation now? You're in the clear? I'm in the clear. Yeah, I'm cancer free. So I go on checks every year um, and I still am uh, still on some medications to um, not have it growing in my body again. But um, I don't think about it so much actually. I think it's just a mind setting of that is not something I want to deal with every day. So then mm -hmm. I don't. As you say, you've been trying to live in the moment. Mm. So tell us about the, the new art that you've been creating, which is also based around this idea of, of getting people involved, bringing people to engage with mm -hmm. what you're making. 
I have an idea of creating spaces where um, you can kind of let go of all the things that are troubling you in your outside world, in your everyday life. And um, bringing people together and also interacting together. I'm hoping that that will create a bigger bond between people and maybe have people saying hello to someone they don't know in a setting that is not their usual setting. As for now, I have been exhibiting in uh, museums and at fairs and in exhibitions. And But I would also like to make a more permanent installation. And that could be like in a hotel lobby or a company uh, lounge and um, working with the interiors that could also reflect these um, ideas that I have. Mm. With all contemporary art, not everyone gets it. It's not this regular nine to five job as we've discussed. It's also not kind of the kind of art that can be mass produced. Um, so how do you deal with people that, that don't get it or or critics of, of the way you're using your time? Mm. Have you had much criticism? There's people who don't understand the meaning behind uh, my work. Some people go into the installations and just see the, the aesthetic side of it and either appreciate that or don't like that. But there are some people who are engaging more and actually interacting with the art. And I really like to just sneak in there and not telling any, anyone that I made the piece. So I'm just standing there in the dark corner and looking at how people are interacting. And um, when people are interacting together and actually make the piece go further and have more effects in the room, they um, become very excited, usually. One um, installation I've made is called Tactile Refuge. And I explored the interactions of hugging. And it's, it consists of six fabric wings that is attached to the walls and one hanging textile sculpture in the middle and when you are approaching the textile sculpture in the middle uh, then the entire room are um, affected and reacts by your touch. So people were actually hugging the art but as more people entered the room they also started to hug each other and that was um, really beautiful. But it also depends so much about where I place it. If it's in a festival or if it's in a public space, it's very different how people react. Mm. Couldn't be a better uh, link into my next question, which was about festivals. You're part of the Burning Man movement, which I think a lot of our listeners will be aware of. But for those who aren't, just tell us um, a bit about it and why that inspires you and your work. So Burning Man is... um, a festival that is in uh, the Nevada desert in the US. And it's a participatory festival. And it means that everyone who goes there are actually creating the content of it. Everything from the smallest art piece to the biggest dance floor are brought there by the participants. Um, And this movement around this festival is a year long culture that is just constantly growing, and especially growing in Stockholm. Sweden understands or maybe long for 
um, a more collective society where we can share more together. I think also a big part of it is to be able to allow yourself to be creative and not put so much pressure on yourself to make it pretty or perfect. So in this culture, everyone can create art. It doesn't have to be a specific type of art. It doesn't have to be beautiful to look at. Maybe it's important in another way. Maybe it's interactive or maybe it's um, political. How different do you think your life and career would have been if you hadn't been diagnosed? I wouldn't be here um, on this spot, in this building. On this cosy beanbag, being interviewed by a random British journalist. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Um, I would have probably uh, been employed at H&M or some similar company that um, many of, of the people with my education go to. I don't think I would have the courage to actually start my own business and uh, apply for all these grants that actually made it possible for me to continue my work and my research and developing new types of materials. Um, I wouldn't have been so brave. What are your dreams for the future? That's a big question, I know. Yeah, that's a super big question. I'm hoping that I get to continue to uh, feel inspired by making textiles and making installations. Um, Yeah, enough art grants or actually money in the end, (laughs) maybe a salary (laughs) would be uh, nice. But well, ultimately, it's about happiness. Some days I definitely see this as, as my job and as my career. But Many days I also just see it as my passion and something that drives me forward every day. There's a lot of people that would be envious of that. Yeah, maybe. You've been listening to The Stockholmer, hosted and produced by me, Maddie Savage, with sound assistance from Benoit Derrière and music by Simeon Ghost. This week's guest was Marlon Borbeck. Unlike many podcasts, we don't endorse products during the show, and all interviewees are independently selected to showcase what we think are the most inspiring personal stories from Stockholm's thriving startup and creative scenes. If you've just discovered the show, don't miss the rest of our episodes. You'll find seasons one, two and three by typing the Stockholmer into your search engine or favourite podcast app.